Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Follow Monica on Twitter at Monica on Air Talk. On Facebook at Monty Matthews. This is How You Live Life with Monica Matthews. Welcome back to the Monica Matthews Show. Life, love, and liberty. How's your love, life, and your liberty going? Not necessarily in that order. If you live in the state of Georgia, you have witnessed the either celebration or flogging thereof of our governor. Governor Brian Kemp has been no stranger to mocking, um, beration, you name it. Um, He has been the focal point of many mainstream media uh, news stories, whether it's because he wasn't aware of the transmission possibilities just a few weeks ago to now he is leading the country in reopening the state of Georgia beginning this Friday. The president and the vice president of the United States has spoken with him at great length about that. And many people are in favor of this and many people are not. What's interesting is to see the folks who are deathly afraid of getting out and feeling like this is premature, we're going to cause another wave, yada, yada, yada. And then the others who are excited because we got to get back to business as usual and you can't keep people in their homes forever and all of that argument, uh, which both are plausible, in my humble opinion. I think it's it's fair to say that, sure, you could see a spike. We've been told that from the beginning. Um, and, and some news outlets are, in fact, reporting that there has been a spike. And why on earth would he listen to Dr. Toomey and decide to reopen the state now? Seems a bit premature to some of you. I will say my colleague, um, Eric Erickson, uh, put out, love him or hate him, he put out a very good piece this morning um, regarding the numbers and, and really kind of justified, um, well, he brought light to um, the attitude of some of you uh, regarding, you know, how I'll kid you, is this guy leading from behind or from the side or from the funny farm? Like, what is he thinking, uh, considering Georgia's numbers um, and the spike? And Eric made a very good point in that some of our numbers are just now rolling in from a couple of weeks ago. So, you know, if you're not a numbers person, this whole COVID-19 thing is just, you've kind of been at the mercy of uh, erratic and completely um, unreliable charts where this uh, disease is concerned and in the spread of this. And so that in and of itself has left people exasperated um, without jobs. I mean, you know, this isn't just a, this isn't just a feely point in time that this is serious. You, you have people whose entire uh, retirement plans are in the process of being wiped out. People can't pay the mortgage. You know, sure, we're going to reopen and reopen our states and our cities and all of that's wonderful. But I have to ask you, where are some people going to be? I said it just the other day, even if half of the 20, where are we now, 24 million people unemployed 
uh, were to become reemployed, you still have 12 million people without employment. What do you do with that? Right? So there are going to be long-term ramifications, not to mention you parents having to deal with kids and letdowns and how about weddings, you know, things you can't get your money back from. Some vendors are just not being cooperative. Other ones are, um, you know, sure. This has been one of the single most disruptive things to happen to us in really the history of the United States, uh, notwithstanding the, uh, the, the Spanish flu. But we also didn't have the um, economy that we do now. We, uh, it was just a completely different life then, clearly. So technology wasn't the same. I mean, just a completely different existence then than today. So this is certainly unlike anything any of us have seen um, in my generation, for sure, and for generations to come. So according to the Georgia, Georgia Department of Health today, there have been over 20,000 20,100 or so cases. Um, You have 818 deaths so far. Survival rate of 96%. That's dropped from 98%. Um, Johns Hopkins says that we have 825,000 cases uh, countrywide with at least 45,000 deaths. And again, that day, the the number kind of makes you uh, wonder. President Trump, in more notable news, says that he will likely sign, um, well, and will, a 60-day ban on immigration to the United States in its entirety. It applies to permanent green card immigrants, uh, not temporary permits such as work visas, better known as HB1. Um, You know, many of us, my colleague Michelle Malkin, uh, many of us scratching our heads, you know, what's the motivation behind this Um, with work visas? You know, why would, why wouldn't you just shut it down across the board? Many of you have your own theories. I do too. Uh, You know, I kind of jokingly said, well, who's going to pick the lettuce and, you know, do the jobs that we just as Americans have become accustomed to not doing? Uh, Sorry, but fair. You know, it's a fair statement. Um, but why, you know, what, what was the, how was the president advised on that? And why did he make, uh, that decision? Um, some of you feel like, you know, we should just shut this crap down for the next year or so to give Americans the opportunity to step into, you know, jobs that have otherwise been occupied by immigrants. Um, I would agree with you on that. Um, I would also say, but boy, this is, this is a day of reckoning for our education system for sure, as well as technical colleges, um, you know, students of, uh, information technology, other, uh, genres and industry of, of, um, income earners who we have typically outsourced to others, whether remotely or here stateside. This is a, this is, you know, an indictment really of our preparedness to be able to occupy our own jobs. I mean, that's just, it's not an accusation. It's not, it, it's just the truth in my humble opinion. So, you know, I gotta tell you, I feel like not only on a personal level, but on a, on a national level, on sociopolitical level, on a national and global more level, this pandemic has really shined a light on so many different facets of, of our existence where there are just glaring holes, whether it is in our immigration system, which we've always known that, um, you know, our banking, 
I mean, right now, Congress is, well, the Senate rather, has passed another, where are we? 400 and, um, oh gosh, give me a second. I got to go over my notes. Uh, yeah, $480 billion interim relief package for the coronavirus uh, funnels over $300 billion in emergency assistance, assistance to small businesses. Uh, adds another $75 billion to hospitals, $25 billion for efforts on coronavirus testing. A final vote is expected in the House on on Thursday. I have to tell you something. Funneling, what a great word. It's actually funneling to banks. There is zero, zero, I tell you, zero regulation and oversight over this going to the banks. I am particularly angry about this because I work very closely with an uh, economic advisor here uh, in in the Georgia, in the Atlanta area, who's been on my show. He's on mainstream media quite a bit, actually, um, currently doing a lot of work with 11 Alive News here out of Georgia. You can follow him on any of my social media accounts. His name is Andrew Poulos, P-O-U-L-O-S. I just uh, assisted in preparing a brief, um, editing a brief that he will submit to Congress on behalf of his colleagues who were saying, hey, we understand underwriting better than um, anyone at a bank whenever it comes to small business loans. What's happened is lending discrimination. And you wonder why small businesses are not seeing the vast majority of this money. And they're not going to see the vast majority of this money either unless changes are made and made right now before banks have the opportunity to leverage, to charge fee structures, uh, kick, I call them kickbacks, but fees for large amounts. So I'm going to ask you something. This is a simple business equation. If you can extend a loan that doesn't necessarily have to be paid back for a hundred thousand dollars, for a million dollars for that matter, to one particular client, and sure, maybe they are a franchise, but they're a big guy. And you receive, you know, your, I don't know, let, let's just say, I don't, I don't have the commission structure right in front of me, but there is a commission off of that. But let's say it's 10% of the loan. Let's say it's 1% of the loan. How about five? It's usually 5%. Okay. Or you could help the little guy who just needs $100,000 to make his payroll for the next few months uh, and make, you know, the same or the same percentage, but of a lesser amount of money. You're a business person. What are you going to choose? If you're not, if there's no oversight and there's no regulation to your underwriting practices, as it were, then what are you going to go with? What do banks always go with? They always go with the money. They go with the bigger cat. So your little business people are being left out of the equation. And one of the main reasons why is because you have banks who are siphoning in my humble opinion, albeit legally, because there aren't measures in place. And that is a tragedy. And you all should be blowing up the phone lines to your congressmen and women to say, absolutely not. This does not need to pass without consideration for those who are in the financial industry, who are in a position to be able to accurately underwrite these loans and help in the process of these loans, the processing, that should absolutely be in place. So I'm going to read something to you that is about to be submitted uh, to Chuck Grassley's office as of this week that has also uh, been um, supported by uh, executives on the Intuit Executive Board Advisory Board. Um, 
this is from my this is from my colleague media colleague as well as uh and tax uh specialist uh tax professional andrew Poulos. again you can find him on any anywhere online as well as my uh respective online sites but check this out you guys i mean this is truly amazing okay so regarding the paycheck protection program okay um this is, there's my dog, by the way, because, you know, we're all working from home. Uh, so Mr. Poulos goes on to say there are no restrictions in the CARES Act prioritizing which businesses or industries get money first. Congress passed legislation allocating $340 billion toward the PPP, not nearly enough to fund the estimated two thirds of 30 million small businesses that said they need money. Did you, did you hear that? can't even fund an estimated two thirds of the 30 million, 30 million small businesses that said they need money. Okay. This is, this is the 349 billion. This isn't what we just passed in the way of another 480. Now check this out. Millions of hardworking entrepreneurs and small business owners were told they would rapidly receive forgivable loans through the PPP. But my firm and many others have found there was not an equitable execution plan. While Wall Street companies such as Ruth's Chris, Steakhouse, Potbelly, Shake Shack, and many others who received um, tens of millions of dollars in forgivable loans took priority over mom and pop restaurants, retailers, and other small businesses, the backbone of America's workforce received zero. They are barely on lifeline for survival. Now I, I'm going to add in here that Shake Shack gave their money back. I don't know what Ruth Chris is going to do. You do know that the president ad, d basically demanded that Harvard return their millions of dollars. I believe their loan was $10 million in aid, not even a loan. Okay, $10 million. You're talking about a country. They have... A basically a GDP, if you will, of an endowment of $40 billion. $10 million of your tax dollars went into Harvard's bank account. Why? Because they could. I'm going to carry on with this letter. The U.S. Treasury undertook a financial challenge during an unprecedented time and partnered with approximately 5,000 banks nationwide when it could have partnered with a minimum of 100,000 professionals in the accounting profession, which would have provided more resources to expedite loans. Now think about that. I'm going to say it again. The U.S. Treasury undertook a financial challenge during an unprecedented time and partnered with approximately 5,000 banks nationwide. And well, what, what the government could have done was partnered with 100,000 professionals in the accounting profession, which would have provided more resources to expedite loans. Assume that 100,000 EAs and CPAs and EAs partnered with the SBA and the U.S. Treasury to underwrite just an average of 100 loans each in their local communities. It would provide 10 million loans to small businesses versus the 1.6 that have been funded thus far some of which have been loans to big corporations that either don't need the money or shouldn't have received it at the expense of small businesses. And then he goes into what the revenues could have been if these guys, um, uh, CPAs and EAs partnered with, you know, the treasury, had they partnered with a, with a particular set compensation plan, not even a percentage, but a, a set compensation for each loan. 
then it would have been enough for these guys to have stimulated their own economy as well. Okay. So the, you know, he goes on to talk about banks have been cherry picking loans. He's got cut in prior prioritizing loans. Um, and you've got, uh, some of his clients that he mentions in here did not even get their loans processed. Uh, got a standard apology. Um, the banks are coming up with their own guidelines asking for net worth, um, because they want to know, you know, the banks want to be able to do preferred business with preferred businesses. Listen, and, and some of you out there in, in financial planning world, I've seen you, you're my, you're my friends. You have defended this practice as a matter of the free market in business. And I'm going to call bullshit. And I'm going to tell you why. Because this is the banking industry and this is an unprecedented time and this is completely irresponsible. It is negligence. It is malpractice on behalf of the U.S. Treasury and the United States government to allow this level of roughshod, basically, you know, highway robbery of the U.S. taxpayer while attempting to help people. I mean, this is like the quintessential ambulance chaser with zero oversight whatsoever. Now, if that doesn't just piss you off as an American citizen and as a taxpayer and as someone who's literally been forced into quarantine over a, a shandemic, a sham, scam, whatever demic you want to call it, and that is not to say people haven't died, we know all of that. But whenever you talk about the long-term repercussions, the ramifications of what we've done as a country to shut this sucker down, I mean... I can't even begin to tell you what the fallout will be. And that is not to scare you. It is to sober you up and to hopefully call you into action. This letter is going to Chuck Grassley's office this week. It will be circulated amongst Congress. I wish there was a way to get this to the president as well. I wish somebody would stand up and pay attention to what is happening to this money. You cannot keep God almighty. If there's any other industry in the world that speaks to this, it would be education for the love of God. We keep throwing money at it and it doesn't solve the problem. You have bad actors without rails, without guardrails, without regulations, without oversight of what to do with this money. You're literally giving your 10 year old in the way of a bank, a checkbook and a blank check on top of that and saying, Hey, you know, go hang out with your best friends and make sure they're fed and they're watered. And uh, there won't be any repercussions for that. In the meantime, your little mom and pops are not going to see the money they need to see. Now, I want you to think about who benefits from not having rules of engagement. Okay, until tomorrow, you can follow me on Twitter, Monica on your talk, MonicaMatthews.com, Monty Matthews on Facebook, iTunes, Stitcher. You can subscribe to my podcast Monday through Friday. I apologize for being one day I've been off one day I've been on. Um, I've had COVID-19 things going on in my life as well to contend with, but I'm here for you. And uh, I look forward to speaking with you soon. And also this Sunday, I'll be on by the way, live on my flagship station out of Atlanta, Georgia, 95.5 WSB radio. That is on FM. We also have an AM station 750. Uh, that's wsbradio.com. If you'd like to tune in live and you're not in the state of Georgia and you're welcome to call in as well. There's no telling what we'll be talking about. I'm sure it'll be more COVID-19. Remember, be smart, be safe, 
you know, th- this probably isn't really the time for everybody to rush out and jump back into life again. But you know, just take your time rolling back out. Use your precautions. Keep your hands, your fingers out of your nostrils, out of your eyeballs, out of your mouth. All those things that we've been told since kindergarten. Uh, you know, w- really, do we need someone to remind us of that? It, but we need to do it. Social distancing can keep you out of the hospital, can save lives. So please practice that in your freedom. Don't take someone else's. Okay. Until next time, be good to your neighbor beginning in your own mirror. And remember, if you're an American, please act like one.